the snook had taken me around two different pilings, had me wrapped around a crab trap that was on the end of the dock. I took my backpack off, took my GoPro off, took my phone out of my pocket, my knife, my wallet, my dip, took my car keys, everything out, gave it all to my buddies, and I said, I'll be back. It's time to drop everything for a big snook story on episode 64, brought to you by ReelsandTackle.com. Welcome to the Telltale Fisherman Podcast, where avid anglers share the story of their best fishing day ever to inspire yours. Now it's time for another epic adventure. So here's your host, John Woodson. All right, welcome to the show. Our guest today is Taylor Martin, who is coming to us from Jacksonville, Florida. Taylor, how are you? Hey, sir. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing very good. And uh, people may be able to guess uh, that uh, you are in the service from the fact that you say, sir. <laughs> um, so yes, sir. I, I am. Tell us about that. <laughs> well, um, well, first of all, like, going back to the, the yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, uh, that's how I was raised. And I, I, thank, I thank my parents every day for you know, the way they raised me. Especially, you know, when, uh, like you said, being in the military, there's some people in the military that even even though they're in the military, they still don't say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. And oh, I'll, really? I'll call them every once in a while and say, hey, I, yeah, oh, yeah, all the time. And I'll call them every once in a while and say, hey, I just want to let you know, I, I really appreciate, you know, you guys, all the, all the whoopings I got as a kid, all the spangings I got for, <laughs> you know, for really drill, really, really drilling in the yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. You know, it really, really, it really pays off. Um, but, uh, but yes, sir, I am. I'm, I'm in the Navy. I can't say I've ever thanked my parents for spankings but <laughs> i <laughs> well, probably should have you know when i was a kid <laughs> right. when i was a kid of course i you know nobody thanks them and, no uh, no you know my dad always used to say you know this hurts me more than it hurts you and i always used to say yeah okay <laughs> that's but, not uh, what my sore butt tells I, I me he was getting that. <laughs> oh man so so uh, well so tell us a little well first of all thank you for your service in the navy and uh yes, and, my pleasure. yeah and so maybe just tell us a little bit about uh you know, what, what you do in the Navy and some of the places you've been okay. and things you've done. Yeah. So, uh, I'm a, I'm a boatswain's mate, um, in the Navy. And if, uh, you don't know what that is, basically anything that is done on, on the deck. So anything that's done top five is what we call it. Um, so everything outside we have a hand in. Um, I actually, um, I actually, I've been on, been on two ships and been on land, uh, once, um, my first ship, uh, my first duty station was in Hawaii. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of, kind of funny as you can imagine, you know, growing up in Florida and, and fishing all the time and everything. And then I, I went through winter boot camp in Great Lakes and then I got my orders and they were like, Hey, you're going to Hawaii. And I was like, wow. Okay. And <laughs> they said, uh, they said, well, you're not really that excited. I said, well, I, I've been around palm trees my whole life and around blue water my whole life. And I said, and now I'm, I'm going back to it, but I'm not going back home. I'm going about 6,000 miles away. Yeah. Um, but uh, Hawaii was very nice. Um, I always told people, though, it's a, it's a great place to visit. I don't know if you'd want to live there. <laughs> very expensive. Um, but I fished a lot while I was there. I caught some bonefish. Uh, the biggest bonefish in the world actually live in Hawaii. Wow, yeah. Um, caught, caught a lot of bonefish. Um, and then uh, I was in Hawaii for about two and a half years. And then um, I went to Texas after that. Uh, I was stationed in San Antonio and um, at Fort Sam Houston. Mm-hmm. And um, I spent about I spent about a year in Fort Sam, 
Um, it's actually where I, I, uh, I met my wife while I was in Texas, and we have a, a beautiful little four-month-old baby girl together, which is great. Oh, congratulations. Um, th- thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. I wanted a boy, but I'll take a girl. <laughs> well, there's um, still time. She is, she is wrapped. Yep, she fishes at me all the time. She is wrapped around my finger. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yes, sir. Uh, and I, I fished a lot while I was in, in Texas. Um, I, I learned... I learned how to catch, you know, I think the biggest trout, the biggest sea trout in the world, I believe, live in Texas. Um, and I, I've caught trout in in Mosquito Lagoon. I've caught them in Indian River. I've caught them all over Florida. And uh, I, I just think the biggest trout in the world come from, from Texas. Um, caught a lot, a lot of big trout, a lot of big reds while I was there. So, you know, I've, I've grown up, you know, I've grown up fishing. And when I got my last orders to come to Florida and they told me, hey, you're going back to Florida, you're going to be in Jacksonville. And the first thing I thought of was, okay, well, when I get to Jacksonville, I got to figure out where I can fish. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, yeah, as far as, I mean, you mentioned places I've been, um, I have been to, uh, let's see, I, I was in, I was in Rome for a while, um, on a deployment. I went to Rome, saw the Coliseum. I've been to all over Italy. I've been to Spain. I have been to, um, let's see, I went to the Ukraine. That was, pretty interesting i spent about a week and a half in ukraine um i've been to paris um i have i've been a little bit everywhere yeah <laughs> all over all over europe wow you get around when you're in the navy i guess yes sir yes sir yes sir, you do the old <laughs> the old slogan you know join the navy see the world it, it's still true to its name even in 2018 well well that's really cool i know you've uh gotten a lot of great experiences being able to go and travel and and see all those places like that absolutely yeah well i i want to circle back on two things you mentioned first of all um the episode we have up right at the moment while we're recording this is with uh, our first guest from hawaii so I was just talking with him about catching bonefish out there. I didn't. Ha- I had no idea they had them. So I'd like to just ask you a little bit about um, how you uh, you were stationed on Oahu, I guess. Yes, sir. I was. I was in Pearl Harbor. Uh, okay. Yeah. He was. Well, he was telling us that there's some flats and things out there uh, where he, he said those are some of the better places if you want to yeah. kind of stalk them. You know, sight yeah. fish for them. Yep. That's, is that, that's is that what you we, did? That's where we found them. Yeah. We uh, we used to. We used to go right behind um, where, so Fort Sam, or not Fort Sam, I'm sorry, in, in Hawaii, Pearl Harbor, and uh, it's called Pearl Harbor Hickam. Pearl Harbor is the Navy side, and Hickam Air Force Base is the, is the Hickam side. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bonefish flats that, that that gentleman was talking about, not to give any away any secret spots any <laughs> captains out there, but but there is a there's a pretty well-known flat amongst guys that that, you know, I guess really know how to fish and know what they're looking for right behind the Hickam side. And uh, we used to drive out there a lot. I actually, I actually drove out there with a buddy of mine, um, and we kind of just took this truck out on the beach. And I, at the time, I didn't have a rod. I didn't have anything. I had just got there, so I had nothing. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I said, I, I know I know there's got to be some bonefish. Hey, let's just walk around. And, yeah. I mean, you want to talk about stalking bonefish. I mean, we got, we got about 10 or 15 yards away from a bonefish with, with his tail, you know, completely out of the water, tipping and tailing, and all they were doing was just, there were about four or five of them, and they were just moving from from coral patch to coral patch to coral patch. And that's wow. all I had to see, and I was like, okay, let's leave. I need I need to get around. <laughs> yeah. Next <laughs> Hurry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, talked to, I talked to a couple of captains. Um, you know, one of the biggest ways I learned through years and years of just, just fishing all the time is, 
for anybody that loves to fish and has the drive to get better at it, um, you know, to, to be a sponge, to soak in really any kind of information you can from, from wherever you're at. Right. And uh, all that took for me was just to get on the phone. And, and uh, the great thing about technology now is all I had to do was just Google bone fishing in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And I had a list of five or six captains. Now, all these guys do is they guide bonefish trips. Wow. Uh, most, of them, most of them fly fish for, for bonefish on the flats there in, in Hawaii. Um, and I, I called a guy, I think his name was Brandon Leak or Brandon Lee. Mm-hmm. I spoke with him and he was like, yeah, man, he said that, that flight you're talking about. And he said, there's some big bones out there. He said they're, they're, and they haven't been fished a whole lot. He said, because it's a military base and not yep. everybody can get on there and, uh, not even get in the water around there to, to bring their skiff or their boat up and, and, and kayak or fish or whatever they were going to do. So, uh, that's all I had to hear. And, uh, <laughs> I, I went over and, you know, bought, bought a little track and, bought some power pro and you know the, the problem though with hawaii is that it, it's a mostly pelagic species that everybody targets so not a whole lot of not a whole lot of calling for like a doa shrimp or a lure <laughs> i was used to throw into redfish or trout or snook yeah um yeah we, we had that we had to actually fly <laughs> we had to actually pay first class shipping and fly in lures from the states back to hawaii wow. to be able to go out how there and fish those bonefish how about that but i take it you eventually uh Got the right tackle and uh, figured them out and started catching some. We we did. It was a little bit a little bit easier easier said than done. Um, you know, I had fished for bonefish down in the Keys and down in Alamorada before, and uh, it was a totally different style down there than it was in Hawaii. Because in Hawaii, I mean, they would eat almost anything we threw at them. The problem was is just keeping them on because where we were, the little flat that we were on, we would go out there on a nice low outgoing tide as all the baits starting to get flushed out. These bonefish would come from off the reef where the water was about eight to 10 feet deep and they would move up on the flats. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're talking, we're talking just bare inches of water. And, wow. um, you know, any, any time, I don't care how many times, uh, I, I joke with my friends a lot here when we catch these big redfish that live in the marsh here in Jacksonville, you know, it doesn't matter how many, how many redfish I've caught over the years, you know, your, your heart still skips a couple of beats when you got one waggling around, you know, about 10 feet in front of you. Yep. And it, and it was, I mean, if you can imagine, I only caught, two or three bonefish in my life before I got to Hawaii. And now I've got 10 and 12 pound bonefish. It's these massive bonefish just waggling around 20 feet in front of me. Um, wow. But it, it was great. I mean, eventually once we got hooked up, you know, you'd set the hook and they'd take off and strip off a hundred yards of line. And, and now I'm, now I'm running down a little flat that I've never ran down before. I have no idea what's out there. <laughs> um, but it was, it was a blast. And, and then to go back to the ship though, and tell everybody, man, I just caught a huge bonefish and people are like, well, congratulations. That, that's great. You know, good for you. And I'm like, I don't think you understand the gravity of the situation <laughs> right. I'm getting at. They're thinking it's a lot, you know, a little pinfish or something like right. that. Right. Yeah. They, they have, they have no, people just have, you know, have just had no idea. They never done it before. And, yeah. and at the time I was kind of like, Hey, what the heck, man, you, you got to see this. And I'd show them pictures and, and they'd say, Oh, that, that's cool. You know, my dad, my dad catches tarpon. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I've caught tarpon too, but this isn't a tarpon. This is a bonefish. Right. And, but, uh, but, you know, the more I got to talk to guys, the more I got to educate them. And I, I ended up taking five or six guys out, um, actually out there on the flats with me. And, and they were able to catch bonefish. Too. Some of them in their first fish ever. Oh, wow. And, uh, that's and a I heck thought, of a wow, first that's fish. Pretty, that's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. That's what I thought. That, that's, that's pretty cool. I, you know, I felt, I felt really good. I was able to put some people on fish that took me, you know, 20, 24, 25 years to be able to catch a bonefish this big. And this is. This is these guys' first time fishing, first time throwing any kind of lure, 
you know, our first time holding the rod and reel, and within an hour, they've, they've, they've caught their biggest fish ever and, <laughs> and most people's biggest bonefish ever. Oh, yeah. Now, I, I think you pretty well spoiled those guys from the get-go. They're uh, <laughs> going to think it's easy and that they should all be that way. <laughs> they, oh, uh, yeah, man. They, they should all be that way. You're right. Um, most I wish. Of them weren't. Uh, most of most of them weren't at all. I'll, I'll guarantee you that. Yeah, no kidding. Well, so the second thing I wanted to circle back on was you were talking about those big mm-hmm. trout there in Texas, and uh, so we've yes. we've interviewed a couple of folks that uh, had their most epic day in the Laguna Madre area. Is that where you were uh, talking about fishing? Abs- absolutely, ah. um, Laguna Madre, uh, Baffin Bay, mm-hmm. um, the the whole area down there in Corpus Christi. Um, it's Actually, my, my wife, my wife and I's first date it was actually down in Corpus Christi fishing for for trout. Oh, how um, about that? Which was, yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. Um, <laughs> you know, we uh, we got we got wet. I actually got hooked for the first time with somebody you know casting. I never never had anybody cast and hook me before until I met my wife. Yeah, and uh, and uh, but yeah, we we caught we caught a ton of trout. I I learned I never fished in Texas before, and. Um, I got there, got there pretty quick, and I learned there's always a wind in Texas on the coast. It doesn't matter how beautiful it is in San Antonio or, or Austin or anywhere else. But when you get down there to the coast, it can be a gorgeous day, but the wind's always going to be howling. Always wind on the water, huh? Always, always. And I, and I had to learn to adjust to the wind. And there's a, uh, you may know him, there's a captain in Tampa Bay where I grew up. Called, his name is C.A. Richardson. He has a show called yep. Flats Class on TV. Yep, yeah. And, um, and he, he told me a long time ago, he said, he said, Taylor, man, just make sure you let, he said, let the wind be your friend. And at the time I was like, okay, well, thanks CA. I mean, I, I have no idea what you're saying, but, <laughs> but then the older I got and, and the more I learned, you know, the winds, especially in Texas, um, on an incoming tide, all the winds are doing are blowing all that tide and that water to you faster, which is going to create a lot more bait to travel faster. Mm-hmm. All these fish had to do was just sit up in the lee of, in the lee of the current on the little shelves that are there on the flats where we were in the little deeper portions. And all they would do is just sit there and we would watch these big trout. And I'm talking not, not 22, not 23s. I'm talking 26, 27, 28 and 30 inch mm. trout. Yeah. And all, all they would do is just sit up in the leaves of the current where the water was just a bit calmer and the winds would pick up and the gusts would blow real hard and they would run out and grab, grab whatever was getting pushed in the wind and push towards them. And they'd go back in that eddy and they could just sit there. They wouldn't expend any energy they wouldn't get overly tired. They could sit there and can sit there completely undetected until they wanted to eat. So, you know, naturally, once I found that out, it was it was pretty easy to start picking them up. Oh yeah, I was gonna say that sounds exactly like a big trout. What they love to do: sit oh, yeah. there, camouflage, oh, yeah. waiting to just snatch something and then go right back and wait some more. <laughs> uh, so I I think our prior guests, uh, so I, we've talked with uh, two different uh, folks so far who've uh, fished there in Laguna Madre, and they were both telling redfish stories, which I understand the redfishing's pretty epic there too, but they were sandbagging me a little bit. They didn't tell me about those big trout, so now I really want to go there. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a blast. Um, I, I, caught, I caught a lot of big redfish too while I was there, but um, any, anybody who's grown up fishing with me, anybody who knows me well enough knows that my favorite fish to target is a big, big trout. Mm. Um, just because there, there's, until I got to Texas, I mean, in Florida, there's huge trout here too, especially on the East coast, but, yep. um, so many people target them and, uh, it's sometimes it's really hard to find yep. those big, big female trout that are over that 30 inch mark. And, 
and the the big trout, the serious trout anglers, thirty inches is the is the number that you want to hit. Yep. And um, if you're if you catch one thirty or over, you're considered like one you know an elite kind of trout guy. And so when I got to Texas, I, I caught I caught a trout that was about twenty nine and a quarter, and mm. I was happy. And, and some of the captains that were around the dock that I actually caught this trout under, I was skipping skipping and glow shrimp under a dock mm-hmm. and actually at the marina the local marina that's there in, in port aransas and um i whacked this big trout and you know i was happy and i was you know i was all giddy and my wife was taking pictures and they were like hey man that's great but how you know what's what do you measure and i measured him and i said 29 and a quarter you know probably about eight pounds and they said that's great and they said well why don't you catch one that's 30 and then come and talk to us and they were showing me tons of pictures <laughs> of these 32 33s they were catching Oh man, they just had to rain on your parade, didn't they? <laughs> of course, of course they had to. I mean, but you know, it's it's okay. It's what every every good fisherman has to always draw a bigger fish. You know, that that's it. There's always a bigger fish. <laughs> always, always a bigger one. Yeah, so I I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I've fished in the Mesquite Lagoon and Indian River there for years, and uh, my biggest ones were just shy of thirty. Um, I think I had one that was in the 28, 29 range, but they're, they're hard to come by. Um, and they, they are, and, and like you were saying they it's, it's a totally different fish when you get a big one on then, you know, when you catch a small one, you know, redfish, they've been the small ones fight pretty good, but small trout, you know, they don't right. really fight so much, but when you hook into a big trout, it's like a whole different animal. I, at least that's oh, been yeah. my experience. Oh yes. Oh no, you're 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 absolutely right. Um, my biggest trout I've ever caught measured out at 31 and a half inches, and that nice. was actually in Florida, way way before I even joined the military. And for the longest time, I thought it was a snook. <laughs> um, where yep. just, just just by where we were and the terrain we were fishing, skip, skipping under mangroves, actually targeting snook. Yeah. And um, you know, I got I got the got the big thump and set the hook, and it didn't come up shaking its head and, and flaring its yellow mouth like a lot of big trout do. It just it stayed deep and it screamed along the, along the mangrove line. And, uh, I, I told my buddy that I was with in the skiff. I said, Hey, you know, put the trolling motor on and back us out. I need to get out of the big snook. And, and I got our boat side and she came up and all, all of a sudden, you know, your heart kind of skips the beat and you're like, okay, it's not a snook. It's a big trout. Yeah. Um, but, but she was, she was huge, but she was skinny. Um, mm. she was, she was real skinny. I'm assuming it was, I think it was the summertime. I'm pretty sure she had probably just spawned. Yeah. It sounds and, like uh, it. And look, but looking, I still have that picture. Every once in a while, I'll look at it, and then I'll look at pictures of trout in Texas that are that big. And the trout in Texas are so much heftier. Um, mm. That that trout, that thirty-one and a quarter inch, she was probably about six and a half, seven pounds. A trout that big in Texas is usually pushing eight to nine to ten pounds. Wow. Yep, that sounds like uh, definitely one of the places to to go visit if you uh, love the inshore redfish and and trout, man. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yep. I, I tell tell everybody, hey, you know, if you if you think you've caught big trout or you think you've caught a lot of redfish, take a trip up to Texas. You know, Louisiana is the best place I believe in the world to catch reds. But if you want to catch right. a lot of redfish and you want to catch big, big, big trout, the biggest trout in your life, book a book a trip to Texas. You know, go to go to Baffin Bay. You know, go to Port Aransas or Port Charlotte or Port O'Connor. Go around there and you will catch some of the biggest trout you've ever seen. Nice. Well, you're you're making me want to uh, head out that way. <laughs> One of the many other places that I uh, need to go that I haven't yet, but uh, hopefully we'll get to it someday. So, um, well, just uh, speaking, I'd mentioned some other guests that uh, had 
been fishing there in Laguna Madre. You know, speaking of our prior guest, I understand you're uh, friends with another guest we had on recently, uh, Quinn Hollingsworth, and you guys got to uh, do a little red fishing there in Georgia. Yeah, we did. I, uh, I, like I said I, I met I met Quinn through social media actually. Um, I, I, uh, I'm I'm pretty pretty active on, on Instagram and uh, and some of the other social media sites that are out there. And mm-hmm. and all I all I love to do is just every fish I catch. And I'm I'm actually bass fishing right now, believe it or not. And every yeah, every that. fish I catch, you know, I always I always take as long as it's a good sized fish. I always take pictures. I edit them up and I'll, I'll put them on there. And and um, you know, I'm, I'm a part of a couple of forums, but but I met Quinn. Um, it's amazing, you know, the, the kind of relationship you can strike up through social media. And I, I met Quinn on Instagram, and I actually was looking through some of his pictures, and I said, "Okay, this guy's in the army. He's a ranger. Yeah, that, that's really cool. And you know, this guy loves to fish like me." And and then I, I looked through some more of his pictures, and I thought, "Okay, this guy's really good, and it, it's nice because you know, I'm not trying to brag, but I'm I'm really good, and it's nice to find somebody else that." Is also in the military that loves to fish. Yeah. And all it took was a simple message. And all I said was, hey, you want to fish? Question mark. And I sent it off to him. Had no idea where he was. No, mm-hmm. no clue where he was. But I sent it to him. And within, I think, a day, maybe even, maybe even less than, maybe, maybe 12 hours, I had a message back saying, hey, man, absolutely. I'm in Georgia. I'm in Savannah. And I messaged him back and said, "Perfect." I said, "I'm in I'm in Jacksonville. You're about two and a half hours away." Oh yeah. Um, and uh, so we we planned planned a trip for about a month and a half. And um, you know, I had to go out to sea for a bit. He had to go away for a bit. But then finally, there was a weekend uh, this past weekend where everybody was home, and we all got everybody got clearance from their wives to go. And uh, you know, that was that was more important to me than clearance from the Navy. You know, I had that clearance <laughs> yeah. from my wife first that I could go. Yes. And. Um, you know, all, all it took was baby duty when I got back. So I said, you know what? That, that's worth going to Georgia and catching some redfish. There you um, go. But I made the, made the short drive up, and uh, we actually went to a couple spots that Quinn, Quinn loves to go to and um, caught, caught some nice redfish. And then it was funny, though, because I, I hardly ever throw live bait. I, I'm pretty much strictly artificial. Mm-hmm. And we got there, and, and they were not chewing jigs at all. I mean, I threw... Um, there's a couple of companies that I'm, I'm sponsored by that I'm, I'm, uh, on the pro staff for, and I have to use their stuff, mm-hmm. which works great here in Jacksonville. And, and I'm sure it works great in Georgia, but for whatever reason on that day, they were eating everything, but they would not chew a jig. Mm-hmm. So it, it, Quinn fishes that spot a lot and it didn't take him long to say, Hey man, we need to make a move. We need to go get some, some mud minnows. And as soon as he said it, I was like, Oh, I don't want to have to throw meat at him, you know? And <laughs> he said, Nope. He said, this is what we got to do. I promise you we do this. We'll, we'll get some reds. This is all they're going to be chewing right now. They're so focused on eating all this bait yeah. in here. You know, they're going to see a jig and it's just not going to be enticing for them. Um, yep. so about an hour later, an hour later, we had a hundred finger or a hundred finger mullet and probably about 60 or 70 mud minnows and, uh, went back to the exact same spot and just tore them up. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was night and day. As soon as it would hit the water, all, all it took was just fat bait to be presented in the right direction, and um, and we, we'd see we'd see some reds coming down the bank real slow, moving down the bank, blowing up on bait. And all, all it took was a little quick pitch to the right or pitch to the left, about ten feet in front of them, lead them a little bit, let them kind of happen onto the bait, and it was game on. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of the same way that I prefer to fish artificials, but um, you know, there are just times like that when the fish are so keyed in on bait that 
you know, they just won't do anything else. But, you know, if you take a live bait and you free line it on a light leader and all and and you're sight casting the fish, you know, that that's pretty fun, too. I really enjoy doing that. It is. I found it is. Um, it, it, there's a <laughs> I told I actually told Quinn, I'll, I'll tell you, um, I, I grew up watching the Spanish fly with Jose Wahede, you know, mm-hmm. God rest his soul on TV. Right. And he always used to say, you know what, a bent, a bent rod is a good thing. Right. And I told Quinn that we were there. He said, hey, yeah, he said, you having fun? I said, you know what, Quinn? I said, as Jose Wahebe used to say, a bent rod is a good thing. And I said, you don't always have to have, you know, a, an HS jig on and see a redfish tail to make that perfect cast to him and, and catch up, you know, load up on the fish and, and stalk him and sight cast him. That's great when you can do it. But one of the things that I guess I, I'm still learning is that, uh, or that, I, that I've learned over the years is that it's, it's not always like that. You can't always have that perfect scenario no. where that happens. When it does happen, it's great. Yep. But that's what's so special about it. And then, um, you know, like I said, I, it was like, you know what? I just drove two and a half hours to get here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch a you know, dang red <laughs> right. yeah, Absolutely. So I was like, yeah, man. You know, I said, yeah, man, let's give me, give me a mud minnow. And, you know, all it took was a, was a two-ounce, you know, owner circle hook and some 25-pound CR fluorocarbon leader and 10-pound power pro. You know, a little twenty five hundred size Stratic, and perfect. Uh, yeah, like I said, they they ate it up. It was perfect. Yeah. So so I just have to ask. So we've got Navy and Army fishing together. Is there any kind of uh, inner uh, inner service uh, rivalry there? I mean, it's in a rivalry. Yeah. Well, we actually so we actually had another guy with us. Um, his name's OG. He's a he's a big big uh, fishing guy on Instagram. Him and Quinn know each other well, and he's a Marine. Oh boy, so, you really had the inter service yeah, rivalry going. Yeah. So we <laughs> so we, we had a big time little little chit chat rivalry going on. <laughs> Did, you know, um you know, a couple 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 of things I probably couldn't say on the air, but <laughs> you know, plenty plenty of plenty of trash talking to to go around. It ne- never gets low. When you whenever you get military guys together, it doesn't matter what service we're in. Um if a if a fight breaks out in the bar, you know we're always going to have each other's back. If something else happens, we're always going to cover each other's six. But when you get us together and it's just a nice, cool, easy setting, problems happen quick, and it's because of trash talk. <laughs> I bet. So I was wondering if the uh, loser had to do fifty push-ups in the mud or something like that. You know, caught the you know, least no, fish. No, we, we we actually we actually kept it. Um, we actually kept it just for fun. I, I know we had talked about when I left, and I'm, I'm going to go back in about a, a couple more weeks, and we're going to go back up and do it again. But um, I told Quinn, I said, hey, man, let's just fish for fun. I've never really done this here before. Let, just show me everything this place has to offer. And we, we did it, but then you know, we got done, and I said, hey, next time, let's do a little tournament action. And he said, really? He said, you know, what's the, what's the wager? And I was like, well, we can do beers or we can do push-ups. And said, How about both? I do it. I do it. You know what? You read my you read my mind. That's a good idea. Let's do both. <laughs> Put our push-ups and beer, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, finish finish fifty fifty sixty or eight hundred hundred push-ups and drink a couple of beers. It's always a good day. <laughs> All right, man. Okay. Well, with that, we're gonna take a quick break here, and then when we get back, uh, Taylor is going to tell us an epic snook fishing story that i can't wait to hear so hang tight and we will be right back if i could use only one bait for inshore saltwater fishing it would have to be the flats jig it is extremely versatile and different weights of jig heads can be used to fish from depths of just a few inches all the way down to several feet and it catches all the target species just attach a swim bait get that tail thumping and the fish are sure to follow Go to tell.fish slash gear 
to check out the flats jigs that we like the best. Okay. We are back with Taylor Martin and just talking about some of the spectacular places he's gotten to travel to and uh, uh, more importantly to fish at. And um, we are now, I think, going to transition to another fish we haven't really talked about yet, and that is the snook, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. So, this is an epic uh, snook trip you had. So, just tell us you know, where you were fishing and what you were doing that night. Okay. So there's a uh, there's a place in uh, Madeira Beach, Florida, which is uh, where I grew up in Florida. I grew up in a place called Reddington Beach, which is um, in the St. Petersburg area, but on the beach side. Okay. And um, you know, Madeira Beach, Florida. There's a place called John's Pass there, and for many years, people have been going to John's Pass to catch snook. I, I caught my very first snook there at 10 years old uh, with my dad and. Ever since, and I've been going back and catching more snook and more snook and more snook and, and bigger snook as I got older. Mm-hmm. Now, in John's Pass, there it's a it's a big um, you know, beachy town, and there are there's a there's a big channel on one side, and there's a bridge. And if you go over the bridge on the other side, you're into another beach, which is Treasure Island. Okay. On the Madeira Beach side, before you go over to the bridge, there is a a whole bunch of waterfront docks from and, and there's a there's a big boardwalk, but all these docks that jet out from, from the bank, they're all run by, you know, the businesses like the jet ski businesses and the boat rental businesses. And, and uh, there's, probably, there's probably 70 or 80 docks, and they're all about 20 feet apart from each other. Okay. Some have lights, some don't. And I had the great idea one day of just going over there and, you know, just didn't even take a rod. I just walked over there one night after everybody, every, all the stores closed about nine. Um, I wanted to go and no one was there because if there were, you know, big snook, like I thought they were going to be there, I didn't obviously want to come back and catch some and see, you know, a lot of people there watching me catch them. I'd go back and I wouldn't be able to fish. There'd be too many people there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I went out and was looking in the water and all I saw were, were snook and they were just stacked up under these docks. And so I called, called two, two loyal fishing buddies of mine. And I'm sure everybody has those guys that it doesn't matter if it's rain or shine you know, if you have work in five hours and you want to fish for four hours, you can call these guys up and go, hey, you want to go fish? And they'll say, I'll be right there. <laughs> and um, and for, for me, those two buddies were, were a buddy, my, my friend named Evan Hildreth and my buddy Daryl Weber. Mm-hmm. Um, and got guys that I fished with and played baseball against for years and years growing up. And I called them and I said, hey, I found something over here that I don't think anybody really knows about. Let's go hit it. And they were like, okay, let's go. So... We, uh, we looked at the tide the next day. Uh, I wanted to do it in the winter time. I mm. wanted to do it on a low, a nice, uh, or sorry, like a nice medium high outgoing tide. Okay. And um, we, got, we got there, got set up, and the plan was we were going to start um, at the very north end of the dock, uh, or of all the docks, get in the water, and we were going to wade under every one of these docks until we got to the end, and then we were going to fish our way back and leave. Mm-hmm. So we got to, got to the very first dock, and I mean all all we were all we were throwing um, my my simple rig that I like to throw for snook. Um, I use a, a 2500 or a 3000 size Shimano Stratic, about 10 pound power pro on it. Um, fishing around heavy cover, so you know you can use 25. I like to use 30 or 40 pound leader. Yeah. Um, CR fluorocarbon leader, and um, usually I would throw a DOA glow shrimp rigged on a little two-watt circle hook they come they come with the normal 
you know, mustad hook on them already pre-rigged. I like to take that out and put a circle hook on them. Okay. Especially when I'm throwing around the pilings and skipping under docks. With the circle hook, if you if you get hung around a piling or if your bait drifts into a piling, there's no way you can really hook up on a piling and get snagged because of the way the circle hook is bent, the way yeah. it's shaped. Okay. That piling would actually have to be like a fish and turn around and go the other way for it to actually the hook to actually bury into the wood. Yeah. So know, knowing that, I was I was able just to walk from dock to dock to dock, and we'd stand about ten feet away from the dock and just yeah sidearm skip our 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 shrimp along the surface. And once those shrimp would hear that and let that we let that bait fall and start to kind of drift out with the tide, you know, give it a couple twitches every once in a while. Um, but at the, at the first dock, we caught our first one. And it was, I, I caught the first one. She was about 26, 27 inches. So nice, respectable. Nice, fish. yeah. And, and off the first, the first dock, we only caught that one fish. The second dock, we caught two. The third dock, we caught more. I think we caught four or five at the third dock. And all of these fish, keep in mind, all these fish aren't small. These fish are anywhere from, you know, 26, 27 to about 30 inches. Nice, good, respectable fish. Oh, very nice, yeah. Um, and, of course, we're, we're in close quarters. So, I mean, you set the hook on a fish and they scream off from the back. Sometimes you have to walk around and go get them if you don't want to break them off. Right. Um, but we would just jump from dock to dock to dock. And some of the docks we'd look at and there'd be lights and we'd see the snook come up and, and, and sucking sucking bait down off the surface and feeding. Some of them would be, there'd be no light. And, and just for me, a preference, I like fish in the docks that have no lights on them. And the really? reason why for me is because for, for me, I love fish in docks that are blacked out. And the reason why I believe is because I, I think the snook is the smartest saltwater fish that swims. And the reason why I will say that is because Actually, on that very same night, the way we were walking, the tide was moving out. So we were we were working against the current when we were working our jigs. Mm-hmm. We weren't getting we were catching a couple of fish here and there. We weren't getting very many bites though. We we get we'd get a couple snook on a dock, get a couple snook on the next dock. But for all the fish that we were seeing, I knew something wasn't right. We should be catching more. Mm-hmm. All it took was for us to turn around and walk through the dock instead of casting under, walk through it and turn around and cast back the way we came and work our jig out with the current, like a natural moving shrimp or bait ah, fish getting right. blown out with the tide. Right. And we caught snook after snook after snook. And all it took was the fact those snooks saw that bait moving against the current, and they thought, that's not the way that bait's supposed to move. Mm-hmm. He should be getting flushed out away from me. Why is he coming to me? Something's not right there. I'm not going to eat that. Yep. But as soon as we moved and changed position and repositioned ourselves, it was like night and day, man. And we, we caught snook after snook after snook and there's probably about 60 docks we caught we caught about a fish or two on almost every other dock um mm-hmm. but uh the the kind of climax building up to it we got to the dock that was there was about i'd say three more docks left we got to this dock we walked through it and i casted a, a glow shrimp through the other side of the dock let it hit the bottom Gave it one twitch, got a thump, set the hook, and I mean, all of a sudden, anybody who's ever caught a big snook or hooked a big snook, you know it's a big snook. You're gonna go set the hook, and there'll be a pause for a second, <laughs> and then the snook will the snook will take off. Yeah, you'll, you'll feel them jerk their head back down, just like you jerk them when you set the hook. You'll feel them jerk back. Yep. And this snook jerked back and took off, probably about sixty yards of line, in just a couple seconds. And, and keep in mind, this is all happening about fifteen feet away. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I, I knew I had a big snook. I, I took my, I had a backpack, took my backpack off, took my GoPro off, uh, took my phone out of my pocket, my, my knife, my wallet, my dip, took my car keys, everything out and, um, gave it all to my buddies. And I said, I'll be, I'll be back. I'll be right back. And, um, through, through all the, the twists and turns and pilings of the dock, the snook had taken me around two different pilings, um, had me wrapped around a crab trap that was on the end of the dock, and he was kind of <laughs> floundering up at the surface because he had basically just run out of line to yeah. the pole. Um, so he was kind of flapping around the surface. I think that I kind of she was. I guess that she was over 35. Um, yeah. And uh, so the, the, as, the, as I'm getting out farther under the dock, I'm getting closer and closer to the end of the dock, and and the water's getting deeper and it's getting deeper. And, you know, first it's at my knees and, and then it's at my waistline. Then it's at my chest. And, and now it's, you know, it's getting, getting towards my neck. And keep in mind, John's Pass is known for huge bull sharks. Oh. And we catch a lot of big bull sharks in John's Pass. Yeah. Hammerheads as well in the summertime. They follow the tarpon in. So all that's in the back of my head. I'm getting closer, getting closer. And then I, I feel the fish shake and I can feel my leader just rubbing through all the piling. Yep. Yep. So I all, all it all I did was just I put my reel in, in a free school, opened the opened the bail, went slack on the fish. Took took me about five or ten minutes. I, I got everything unwrapped, got feet in the dock, um, lit the snook like a, just like bass bass lit them, yep. and carefully kind of dragged her through all the pilings back into shore to to my anxious buddies who are wondering where I went because it's pitch <laughs> black and they can't see anything. Oh yeah. They hear a bunch of thrash and they hear me hear me yelling and taking hollering, but they have no idea what's going on. And uh, I came back, and I, I emerged from the dock. We put her on the tape, and she was 43 and a half inches long. Whoa! My, Holy my, big, my biggest snook I've ever pulled out, ever, biggest snook ever pulled out from under a dock. Um, with my ten, favorite way to catch them. With 10-pound power pro? With with 10-pound ten, ten power oh pro. Oh, my and, and I, goodness. I, and and pe- people, not everybody believes the story, but I, I, have, I have a a partial video of it that one of my, my buddy Evan was actually just happened to be recording on his phone. And, um, I mean, you can't see much, but you can see what it is. And, uh, I always tell people, man, it doesn't, doesn't matter. I've, I've hooked 90 pound tarpon on 10 pound braid before. And the only reason they got off is because I got spooled. Yeah. And all, all it is, is just your drag. You have to know when to let the fish run, when to pull on and when to, how to play them, when to give them line and when not to, and you can catch these big, big, big fish on 10-pound Power Pro and, and 25 or 30-pound leader. It's very simple. You just have to know how to do it. Well, yeah, but when, um, you're, when you're around pilings, that kind of uh, changes the game a and, little bit. Yeah, One well, wrong and, rub. And pro- and, probably, probably, what saved, yep, probably what saved me was I just, I just had the, the, the quick thought just to open my bail. Yeah. Um, yep. I, have no, I have no idea why I thought it. It was just, hey, open bail. I, you know, my, my body reacted just from muscle memory. I opened my bail. And... You know, that saved me because anytime that fish wanted to run or, or pull or tug, she had free reign to do that. It was nothing to hold her back. Yeah. Um, probably helped her relax a bit. She may have even thought she was free, but she yep. was so tired from her fight. She was just laying on the surface and all it, all it took was for me to go over and just grab her. Um, wow. We, we did. We put her on the tape, 43 inches long. I'm, I, I didn't weigh her. Um, I'm, I'm guessing close to 20 pounds. Um, but we uh, we revived her and you know, took, took some great pictures. Revived her, let her go. She swam off just fine. We continued our wade. Um, I, I caught I caught one more snook after that. Um, Evan and Daryl each caught about ten or twelve snook apiece. They had a great time. 
but it was kind of like, okay, how do we, how do we top this? You know, I mean, we, we had a <laughs> yeah, great day, real. August, a great night of fishing. You know, we started at about nine thirty at night and it was probably about eleven thirty, twelve o'clock. And the tide was, was just about dead low and it was flowing out when we started. And, and it's kind of like, how do you, you know, how do you top this? And we kind of just sat there and smiled and it was like, well, you know, let's, we can always come back. You know, we can, there's like you said earlier in the interview, there's always a bigger fish. <laughs> yeah, there is. There's always a bigger fish. I I can't tell you how many times since then I went back and hook snook I knew were bigger than that forty three and, and either really? got busted off or or you know got the hook spit or something. Man, but um, that's but why yeah, we keep man, trying. It was, it was the most. That's why we keep trying. It was yep. it was the most epic snook day I've ever had. I've I caught I've caught more in one day than than fifty six, but not of that quality. Not yeah. not those fish. We didn't. No no fish was under twenty six inches. Every fish was about at the thirty. The average was about the thirty to thirty one, thirty two inch mark. Yeah, and probably not as many in that short a time as you were fishing, right? I mean, that was just oh, a few no, hours. It was, it was we we were we were out there about three hours. Yeah. Um. Just just and the reason why was I mean we would have kept fishing, but once in that in that spot, once the tide gets dead low. And the water stops moving. It's like a light switch. I mean, the fish yeah, just stop eating. There's no, there's no conveyor belt anymore of bait coming to them. Um, and it, it was the winter time, and, and those fish get really, really, you know, sluggish in the winter time, and they're not going to move a whole lot for a bait. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, now if if we just stayed longer and, and you know, let the let the tide start flowing back in, which I had actually done after that, mm-hmm. um, and caught more snook, you know, we probably would have caught a lot more. But after after all that, you know, like I said, I mean. I, I was pretty much done when, when yeah. I caught that forty that forty three. I was like, you know what, I'm I'm done. You guys can you guys <laughs> can fish. I'm gonna sit down, you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit down and, and you know text text my mom and dad, let them know what I caught, and, you know, start editing some pictures. I was I was pretty much happy with that. Oh yeah. I mean, how could you not be? Yeah. Oh no. After you catch a fish like that, you kind of just want to sit there and and soak it in. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, you ha- you have to you have to take in the moment. Oh there's, there's man. So, there's so few of them, and they're they're you know. Uh, people don't realize, I guess, sometimes how precious moments like that are until you do it. And if you if you don't sit there and take it in, pretty soon it's gone, and you'll never you'll never get it back. So I, oh, I yeah. always, anytime I get a fish like that, I always try and just sit back and take some pictures and really just kind of take in what I just did. Yep, absolutely. Well, so I'm getting ready for my uh, midsummer uh, snook trip. We go over to the to the Gulf Coast there, and uh, I was I was getting pretty fired up before, but man, now after hearing your story, <laughs> oh, I want to I want to go pack up today and head over there. Golly, Absolutely. what? Absolutely, I, I know I know the feeling. Trust me, I know man. the feeling. Man, wow. Well, that I I can just. Uh, I, I could sure picture that, and I, lo- I love skipping under docks and catching bass, or you know anything under docks. It, that hand-to-hand combat, it, you know, it's Absolutely. that close quarter combat is so fun. And then that's, snook that's the too. Best part of it. Oh yeah, and then snook is probably my favorite fish, you know, overall to catch, just because they have it all, you know, speed and power, and they jump. Oh yeah. Um, so oh I, yeah. That that night. Smartest was, smartest fish that swims. Yeah, and, smartest and fish that swims. And they're smart and and then yeah, oh, man, to get on them like that, man, that just was spectacular. What a great story. All right, well, Taylor, man, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing that story with us. And uh, I'm gonna be following you here on Instagram and look forward to seeing you top that uh, 43 inch snook. Yes, sir. Oh, trust me. I'll be, I'll be trying. And like I said, it's summertime. I'm about to take a trip down south to see the folks anyway. So 
I'm sure while I'm down there, I can talk the wife and the waiter on the dock. She's she's seen she's seen too many pictures and heard too many stories not to want to try it. So she's fired <laughs> up about it as well. Awesome, man. Well, I'll look forward to seeing that and uh, uh, look forward to seeing more good things to come from you and Quinn and and the guys. You know, hit, hitting the redfish. That's good stuff. Absolutely. It was it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show. Are you an avid angler with an epic fishing story to tell? Well, we want to hear it. Sign up to be a guest on the show at www.tell.fish slash guest or hit us up with a DM on Instagram at Telltale Fisherman. We can't wait to welcome you aboard. This has been the Telltale Fisherman podcast. Thanks for sharing another great tale with us. Be sure to check out the show notes page for more info on today's show and the gear we talked about. Keep those lines tight and we'll catch you next time right here on the Telltale Fisherman Podcast.